Hello everyone, Lena Chapman here, and I am so excited that you are listening to the Lena Chapman Podcast. This is my first time doing this, so thank you for walking on this journey with me. So who is Lena Chapman? Well, I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm a licensed professional counselor, as well as a wellness coach. I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm an everyday person. And so as you get to know who I am, I would like for you to join my podcast and listen to some topics that I'll be talking about, which is obviously mental health because, hey, that's a part of who I am, as well as incorporating it with biblical scriptures and addressing the body, soul, and spirit. And so a little bit more about me is that I'm not only just a therapist, but I'm a safe therapist. I'm a Christian therapist, and I do not take that lightly. So as God uses me to speak out and to talk about some things that he placed on my heart, I would like for you to subscribe because I want you to listen, because I want you to hear some amazing things that God has put on my heart to share with you guys. So if you are listening on Apple, go ahead and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. I need you to go ahead and hit the button. Yeah, do it now. Yep. Go ahead right now. Yep. There you go. Hit that button. Hit the subscribe button. And then you will be the first to get the notification that there is another podcast coming out and you'll be the first to listen to it. So I'm excited. Thank you for walking on this journey with me. And let's get some good tips and some good information. All right. Yep. So if you haven't subscribed already, go ahead and hit. Yep. Yep. Do it now. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. Subscribe to the podcast. Please be advised. The Before After Podcast can discuss triggering topics that may cause emotional distress. Discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to another session slash episode. Y'all know what we call them of the Before After Podcast. This is Christy Danielle, a.k.a. The Talk Lady. Thank you all so much for listening to another session of the Before After Podcast. Y'all know how we do. Before we get started, I need you to subscribe uh, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Share this podcast. Um, I know you guys... Uh, have always shared with me that you get some really, really good information. And so today's session is really a follow-up to another previous session that I did in this season. And I really touched on crisis versus discomfort and a little bit of narcissistic parents in that episode. And so I was thinking about it first, calling one, one episode and calling another one a completely different episode. But I realized, no, it's all about crisis versus discomfort and narcissistic narcissistic parents, um, a lot of my TikTok followers asked me to do this topic. And I did not realize how important this topic should be and and how basically common this thing is. I mean, I knew it was something common, but I'm just so happy that uh, I'm starting to talk about this uh, because a lot of people on TikTok were like, yes, talk about this, talk about this, because obviously a lot of us are going through this and we need healing from this. Something that I want to share from the previous episode, just to recap, um, I talked about gaslighting um, and the definition of gaslighting. Uh, gaslighting is a manipulation tactic in which a person, uh, in order to gain more power, makes a victim question their own reality or sanity. We're going to talk about that today more in depth. Love bombing. I also discussed that. I said love bombing 
bombing is a manipulation tactic that happens when someone overwhelms you with affection, adoration, gifts, and love in order to gain control of your behaviors. Side note, if you're dating and the person just seemed like, oh my gosh, they saying stuff like you, I never met anybody like you, you, I mean, and people say that, but it's like they do it in overdrive and um, and that makes you feel obligated or guilty or it messes up your boundaries, uh, boundaries. So listen, if you're dating with somebody and they doing all these crazy expensive gifts and in the beginning, and it's like all passion and excitement when you all first met. I mean, I heard somebody said this on the Oprah show. I was a little girl. Oprah show not even on no more. And I was a little girl. She said, you don't want a Prince Charming because uh and she said you don't want a knight in shining armor she said because uh if they can sweep you off your feet you'll be swept away it brings balance when the person is balanced obviously just want to say that so love bombing uh the guilt trip uh uh guilt tripping behaviors show up in close relationships romantic partnerships, friendships, professional relationships, or family relationships um, that will point out their efforts and hard work to make you feel as if you've fallen short. So we all know guilt tripping, you know. Negging, N-E-G-G-I-N-G. Negging is when a person tries to manipulate you into feeling bad about yourself. Negging happens in a few different ways. They give backhanded compliments. They compare you to other people. They're always just joking when you call them on it. So uh, another one, emotional blackmail. Uh, Emotional blackmail is a dysfunctional form of manipulation that people use to place demands and threaten victims to get what they want. Uh, The undertone of the emotional blackmail is if you don't do what I want, then what I want when I want it, you will suffer. So um, I said that in that episode. And so I just wanted to follow up and just kind of recap those. Um, The biggest thing when it comes to narcissistic parents and even, uh, well, I mean, we can extend it narcissistic partners that I really wanted to focus on parents because this is what a lot of people requested. When it comes to uh, narcissistic parents, uh, the first line of defense in therapy that I do is I get clients to be very fact base. Um, I heard someone say this and it's so true. When you are dealing with somebody who, whether they're recovering from a narcissistic abuse intimate relationship or whether they're getting out of a relationship with narcissistic style parents, um, they don't know the sky from the trees. What do I mean by that? They don't know reality because their reality is the narcissist reality. If the narcissist says you're selfish, all of a sudden you think you're selfish. If the narcissist says uh, you're a narcissist, you'll think you're a narcissist. I cannot tell you how many times I've had clients come in and say, I'm a narcissist, I'm a narcissist. Or they say, I'm in this session because I just need to know if I am a narcissist. I'm coming to therapy because I need to know if I am a narcissist. Well, of course, I pull out that good old DSM. Uh, That's what we use to diagnose. And I say, uh, you know, I go with the criteria and I say, this is the criteria for narcissistic personality disorder, NPD, say yes or no to the following. And then they realize it's it's like an aha moment in the session. They're like, wait a minute, I'm not the narcissist. They're the narcissist. Oh, I just love that moment when they're like, they're the narcissist, not me. 
my partner. And so it, it just creates this whole thing. So the residue though, of what the narcissistic parent and the narcissistic partner, what they left behind, um, you, you are so not sure of yourself. And so what I do in therapy is I get the clients to be very fact-based. Where is the proof? I'm always asking that. So if they are assuming or saying something about their character, I'm automatically saying, where's the proof to back up that person's claim? When have you behaved selfishly? And then we'll go down the line of certain things that their partner or the parent has said. And then they're like, and then I say, hmm, I said, so we're looking at the facts. They said this, but what about your actions back that up? Because from what I'm hearing, and then they start realizing like, oh my goodness, like there is no proof. So then they become, they start becoming more sure of yourself. So in order to heal from a narcissistic parent, we have got to get you to be fact-based. Got to get you to be fact-based. Um, a, a colleague of mine, Lena Chapman, and yes, she was um, the guest and the mistress and the madam, and she was also a guest um, on the show uh, competition between women um, in this se- in this season. Um, but and she also has a podcast, Lena Chapman podcast. Y'all go subscribe. Um, but she always says she says we need to fact check our feelings. Yes, we gotta fact check it because the narcissist will make you guess. Uh, second guess your intuition that will make you second guess decisions so a lot of clients uh listen especially when they had narcissistic parents i mean they can they have these memories of when they were children they would say i was so sure of myself i was so bold and, and now i'm just like Ugh, i don't know what's right or wrong meaning like i don't know what's a good decision or a bad decision like i'm so indecisive and and even uh after narcissistic abuse they say before i met this person oh i was so sure of myself i could make a decision and it wasn't an issue but afterwards i'm like i don't know and that is the goal of a narcissist something i said on one of my instagram reels i said um uh, on my Instagram reel, I said the abuser is the best employer because they train you to do their job for them. They calling you stupid. Now all of a sudden, in long after they long gone out of your life, you calling yourself stupid. Oh, that's stupid. Why did I do that? That's stupid. You're doing the job for them. And remember, your inner voice, your negative inner voice, was created by somebody outside of you. Like they say, the child, the parents are the child's first significant figures. So you learn, so the inner voice that you hear, what if I told you that it's not really you, it's them or someone else who hurt you or betrayed you or got in and made you, you know, change your mind about certain things. So I just want to uh, say that uh, one of the other things I believe I mentioned in the other episode slash session, um, and I touched a bit on this also in the uh, procrastination session was that uh, one of the big signs of narcissistic parenting is hypervigilance. I do see that often. And hypervigilance, you're so suspicious of everyone and everything. You don't know who to trust. Because see, the last time I hugged my mama and my daddy, I thought we were good. And then next thing you know, they exploding, yelling, or they doing these mind games. I didn't know who, I didn't know what to believe or what. I didn't know who I was going to get that day. 
one minute mom was good next minute she was yelling you know so it creates this hyper vigilance um with a hypersensitivity and so um and that uh kind of flows into like the amygdala because that portion of your brain you know your limbic system like all of that area it is responsible for your fight or flight and so imagine your fight or flight system constantly being activated over and over and over again constantly over and over again when it was time to rest and calm down your brain was finally calming down something else happened you heard the footsteps and you like, oh my gosh, are they coming near the door? Are they coming near my bedroom to complain? Are they doing, see, uh, when I completed a project, are they coming in? Are they going to say, are they going to be critical? I mean, this is a, this, this is something that's very real. And so when the amygdala, like when the brain doesn't shut down from like that uh, fight or flight response and when it doesn't have time to rest, it just, it's lack of a better word, it's like it stays on. I mean, it just cycles over and over and over again. And that's why some of us go into panic attacks and anxiety attacks uh, when we are just resting and chilling. We could be walk, we could just like be totally chilling, walking in a grocery store, then all of a sudden something will happen. It happened to me, I shared it in the episode, and then something will happen. Meaning like something inside of you would happen out of nowhere. You weren't thinking about no trauma. Nobody didn't scare you, didn't trigger you. You didn't get an alarming text. You didn't get an an alarming text message or nothing like that. But it just happened. That's because when you're resting, it's almost like the brain is like, "Uh, uh, what what are we doing? Because last time we rested, something happens. And so then you start expecting the worst when you're resting and it interrupts the rest. It's kind of like those those of us with anxiety, like you could totally get this scenario it's kind of like when you um how can i say this oh it's it's kind of like when you're have like that sudden rush or release of emotions meaning like you don't have to worry or trip off of anything and it feels so good you're like oh my gosh if i could just feel this 24 7 and then you're like oh my gosh but it's gonna go away it's gonna go away and then eventually you talk yourself out of it and then it does go away that's kind of how it is it's like you're calm and then something listen your brain like wait a minute we always got to be on guard and, and this is what I tell clients sometimes our brains are the equivalent to someone that is overseas uh, fighting, you know, or just in the military. I'm going to just take away the overseas, overseas portion, but someone is there in the military fighting over and over on the battlefield and never had an opportunity to get off. That's what some of our brains are like. And this is very common when I encounter clients with narcissistic parents. And so um, narcissistic parents, they can be very, oh my goodness, super critical. Um, They will point out uh, just everything. They always have something to say. Um, And so you're always in a state of uh, examining yourself or other people or things. Uh, That's very common. Um, I mean, the mind games are on 10, you know, uh, something I heard somebody say, they said, narcissists, they play chess while we play checkers. And it's so true. Um, So I wanted to touch based on basis on this because, of course, by request, but 
I just really want us to see that some of us are really hyper vigilant because of the narcissistic parenting. Um, out of the narcissistic parenting, uh, one thing that I do know, if you have a parent that is a narcissist, they will only love on you if it benefits them. For instance, they are proud of you and love you when you achieve an accomplishment because an accomplishment shows something good on their part as a parent. So the child is only recognized when they make the parent look good. Also, one another uh, narcissistic style behavior that I see, um, parents living through the child. I see this very common, especially with toxic mother-daughter relationships. Uh, the mother may want the daughter to do a certain activity or a certain thing. Uh, the mother may want the daughter to dress a certain way, look a certain way. Um, she eventually makes the daughter sometimes her therapist. Um, and a lot of the times, men and uh, women, uh, clients in general, I'd say adult clients, they really, uh, when they grow up under this style of parenting, uh, they're so used to being people pleasing and working for the narcissistic parent that they don't know how to calm down that. I mean, it literally they do like a bunch of works, a bunch of things. They think they have to prove them, uh, their love in uh, the faith based realm. We call that the orphan spirit. And so the orphan spirit is really uh, in church realm. You have to work for God to even show himself to you. And that's not true. Uh, love is giving freely, but the narcissistic parent will make you feel like you have to work for their love. And so they grow up and they're perfectionists. They beat themselves up extremely when they uh, make a mistake, uh, when they sin. Oh my goodness, it's the end of the world. I'm going to hell. You know, it's, it's that kind of language and that kind of behavior that I see. And uh, yeah, so, but back to toxic mother-daughter relationships, um, she almost lives through the daughter. And um, I never forget my pastor, she calls it toxic, toxic love. And toxic love is pretty much um, like, say if you go on down a pathway that may not be the best, um, the parent, will come in and completely consume and control everything because it is, I want to control everything because I know what's best. You don't know what's best. And so now we have a bunch of adults there who are very indecisive and they don't really know how to make a healthy decision for themselves because they were such under that controlling parent. And, and that is one of a, that is a major trait of uh, NPD, narcissistic personality disorder. I know what's best. Uh, only the best people should be around me. Um, they, I mean, uh, it's just like that kind of thinking. So even if the parent is not diagnosed with NPD, they may have very extreme NPD characteristics. Um, and like I said, toxic mother-daughter relationship, she lives through the daughter. She competes with the daughter. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying this is NPD characteristics or trait, but just to toss this out because it hit my mind, this is um, that toxic mother-daughter dynamic. This is why she falls in love with the son, but she competes with the daughter. 
The son and the daughter could do the same crime, but she'll be quick to kick the daughter out of the house, but she'll ever forgive. She'll forgive the son over and over again. Because see, her idea is I'm being hard on my daughter, but that's just her having a reflection of who she is. Now that portion, that is what narcissists do. Their behavior is just, their behavior is just a reflection of how they really feel about themselves. And so, but they try to push that off on you. And so, uh, yeah, so it, it, it toxic mother-daughter relationship, that's just so prominent. Um, and it creates the division in the family dynamics. It makes the daughter feel like the mother has favorites. Um, and the mother may say, I'm just showing you not to make the same mistakes that I did. No, you're causing me to make the same mistakes that you did because you are uh, doing it in a toxic manner. And this is how generational trauma continues. I've seen it a thousand times. Um, um, and so when we talk about toxic mothers, we are also talking about just not mother-daughter, but we're also talking about mother-son. And so I did an episode with an anonymous guest and that was emotional incest of women who emotionally date their sons. And so that is very narcissistic of the mother to make the son her emotional outlet because it's all about her. And so she hates the daughter and falls in love with the son. She want, I have literally heard grown women say, I raised my son to be the husband that I never had. Oh, so he becomes your husband. Very common. And so then those sons and under narcissistic parenting, just in general, I see uh, either they're extreme, like uh, passive. They have borderline tendencies. Either they're extremely passive or I see borderline tendencies or they become a narcissist themselves. And so, and, and they become very emotionally detached, but that's a sign of narcissism and antisocial personality disorder. They lack empathy. It's all about them. And so um, I do see that now with father-daughter emotional incest, I call that darling daughters. Um, the daughter takes the role of the mother in the relationship. She takes the role of the wife. It becomes very difficult if the father ever remarries because she creates, because she is that darling daughter, she can do no wrong. And so it creates the space for the daughter to manipulate. It's very interesting how emotional incest manifests between boys and girls. Um, but she manifests, I mean, she literally becomes the wife and I can do no wrong. I'm the woman of this house. Uh, so to speak, and she will challenge new women that comes in the father's life, in the in his life. So that that is something that I do see as well. And this is all from narcissistic, toxic style parenting. And even if we just kick out the narcissistic portion, just from toxic parenting. But this is something prominent that I do see. Um, and as far as um, I just want to go back really quick to um, the emotional incest portion. Uh, and I mentioned this in the emotional incest uh, session and I'm in, I mean, and I played a TikTok clip. It even messes up the couple's dynamic uh, when the child eventually becomes an adult. Uh, 
It messes up the sexual relationship, relations in the marriages, in the marriage or relationship. It it really hinders uh, emotional maturity. Uh, so it's so many things that happen. Um, and so we need to be very fact-based when we are addressing these things. And like I say, out of 100% of your healing process, 90% is awareness. The rest of the 10% is making a decision off of the awareness. And even getting the client to become aware that they, are, if they're the parent, that they're a narcissistic style parent, um, it, it goes a long way. So it, it's a lot of work. So when you have a narcissistic style parent, um, it creates the space of crisis. It, it creates the brain's inability to know the difference between crisis and discomfort. Because crisis, I, this is the definition that I, we, sure we can be an emotional crisis, but in order for us to start learning, because remember, you were back and forth growing up under that narcissistic parent. You didn't know who you were going to get. You were always in survival mode. You were always on your P's and Q's. You were always picked on. You were always criticized. Okay? So we got to be fact-based, but in the midst of it, we also have to teach the clients to become to learn the difference between crisis versus discomfort. And so in general, I say crisis is you're about to die. <laughs> I know we can go through emotional crisis and it feels like we're about to die, but are you? Ah, see, that's the thing. Crisis versus discomfort. Are you actually physically about to be cemetery dead or someone you love? Are they physically about to be cemetery dead? That's crisis discomfort it could be minor or major the difference is when your brain does not know the difference between crisis and discomfort the smallest inconvenience can set you off i love those tiktok videos uh that uh it talks about how um like you're already having a bad day then your belt loop gets stuck on the door like snatched on the door or like you're already having a bad day and you trying to put the key in the door then the key falls on the ground you drop the keys and you're like oh my gosh this is the worst day ever <laughs> like like that small discomfort of dang i gotta bend over and pick up these keys i'm already irritated that turns into a whole event because your brain does not know the difference between crisis and discomfort and so we also have to teach the clients what is the difference between the two and so um, when they're triggered. So I just want to, uh, just some neurocalming strategies. I actually, uh, discussed these in, um, season one, I believe in a couple of sessions, probably in this season, but, um, a neurocalming strategy. So the name of the game is, is redirection is distraction and redirection. That's it. <laughs> um, because your brain is so, triggered like when we're triggered we need to calm the brain down so we have to shift from the emotional brain to the logical brain your brain cannot do two things at once we have we have realized that there is no such thing as multitasking it's just very quick switching <laughs> your brain cannot do two things at once so um so the neural calming strategies what it does is it can shift the brain um into where you can calm down and you can assess the situation for what it is and so like one uh strategy would be um, i'm a fan of putting the ice 
a piece of ice in your palm, closing the palm. Because imagine if you are just having the most horrible day, your mind is spiraling out of control, and then you have this extremely cold piece of ice in your hand. For even a second, the discomfort from the ice takes place of what's going on with you emotionally. Because the brain eventually is going to shift and be like, okay, we got to get rid of this discomfort because it doesn't feel good physically. And so once you, so it kind of like, put your brain into a different space. Um, so I, I love that technique. I tell clients and, and it does work out uh, for some clients. Of course, I believe it's called tipping and ice cold water splashing on your face. That also was like, oh my gosh, okay. That was uncomfortable. That immediately shift things in your brain. And so we have got to do strategies to calm your brain down. Uh, another strategy, when you are triggered, your body closes up. So you got to kind of manipulate the brain to make it feel like, to make it know, known that, yo, we not in crisis, we're good. So sometimes I tell clients, you know, go to a bathroom, open your body posture. This is why when you're going on a job interview, they say power poses are very important. You're opening your body posture. So it makes it seem like to the brain, oh, false alarm, we're not struggling. Because if we are triggered and fearful, why do we have our arms open like we're about to hug somebody? That don't make sense. We don't do that when we triggered. So that those are just some of the strategies. And I just want you to think, how can I shift my brain from the emotional to the logical? Or what do I need to do to just shift out of this moment quickly? And so um, I even tell clients some strategies that I do with them. I literally tell them uh, when they do grounding or we practice mindfulness techniques, that literally pick out colors in the room. And sometimes you may, this, you may have to physically get a pen and a paper and write it down because you're so focused on writing, picking out colors, it shifts the brain into a different place. And so these are some of the strategies that would be beneficial uh, to that. And so, and then of course, I'm always a fan of somatic therapy oh my gosh i've been doing somatic stretching y'all this thing is real i love it look it up s-o-m-a-t-i-c somatic therapy and the somatic stretching because we realize that trauma can be trapped in the body which is why sometimes you recalling memories out of nowhere or not even recalling a memory your body will become physically triggered out of nowhere because it's recalling a trauma and so strategies like that will help in the process as you're triggered because as you're trying to shift out of the narcissistic parent's reality and stepping into real reality, it's going to be an uncomfortable feeling and we're going to have to challenge those thoughts. And so one thing I love about cognitive behavioral therapy is that it causes the clients to change the interpretation of the struggle changing the interpretation of the struggle. And so like I, I said, this is season one. I'm like, listen, if somebody, if you were, because I'm watching seminar and this is a great example she gave. She was just like, if you were at the checkout line and the cashier threw your change at you, you threw your chain change at you, you have two, two different interpretations. One interpretation could be, 
no, this person didn't do this. I'm finna fight them. No, I'm another interpretation would be, I wonder what kind of day they having for them to throw change at me. See how you interpret adversity determines the next moment in your life. So I want us to learn the skill of of interpreting things through a new lens because we could possibly, and especially after narcissistic parenting, we will interpret life through the lens of trauma because remember, children are very egocentric. So even when the parent is yelling at somebody completely different, the child already feels like it's their fault. So now when the parent is actually doing mind games with the child, the child is really going to think it's their fault. So then you grow up thinking it's your fault. Everything is your fault. You sacrifice. I call it martyr syndrome. You know, you you are the death for this parent. You know, it, you sacrifice everything for this parent. I don't want to move far away because I don't want this parent to be alone. I'm emotionally responsible, emotionally responsible for my parent. And that is unhealthy. And so uh, narcissistic parenting, it affects the mind, the body and the spirit. And I just want us to realize that it can manifest in different ways. Emotional incest between mother and son, emotional incest between father and daughter, you know, son, bay, darling daughters. That's what I call it, son, bay. You know, bay is a term of endearment. I'm actually coming out with an ebook that talks about that. So be on the lookout for that. Um, emotional incest from, from mothers and fathers. Um, but then also um, from mother to daughter. It becomes toxic from father to son. It becomes toxic um, and it becomes hurtful because they are only thinking about themselves and they only show love when it benefits them. And, and of course, another thing, overly harsh punishments. The crime does not match the offense. That's very big. That's very huge. So I just wanted us to realize while growing up under a narcissistic parent, we become either people people pleasers, we develop narcissistic tendencies ourselves, a little borderline characteristics, um, or, you know, it's just that we become super hypersensitive, uh, hypervigilant, our amygdala, you know, limbic system is all out of control and we don't know the difference between crisis and discomfort. And so that is what I just wanted to contribute. Of course, we can go more in depth and please take what I say in context um, according to your situation. Of course, this none of the episodes are used to diagnose anybody, but it's to hopefully bring some type of awareness. And if you desire to challenge that, take it to your therapist, talk about it. Um, what I love about therapy is that it facilitates the process of you discovering you. So take it, listen, sign up for therapy. It's worth it. Okay. So I, I just wanted to touch bases on that. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this session. Uh, yeah, there'll probably be, probably be more on this. I'm telling you, I'll always talk about this. So if you're on social media, uh, TikTok, the talk lady, um, if you're on Instagram, the talk lady on Facebook, Christy Danielle. So, and of course my email before after counseling at gmail.com. So really your healing starts now. A lot of us were being boggled down and we thought we were the crazy ones, but really maybe you were noticing some toxicity this whole time. And 
one thing is the narcissist will say something about your character and and then you going back and forth with them gets that's how they pull you back in something um that I always say when dealing with a narcissistic partner or parent you have to realize that uh you'll always be the bad guy in their eyes because they can only view things from their perspective they don't validate you trying to change and win over a narcissist um that is very difficult um and non-existent um in my opinion uh because the more you try to prove to them that you're not what they say you are the more that you try to get them to see how toxic they are the more that they will blame you because they lack the inability to see things from other people's perspectives and so yeah you'll always be the bad guy in their eyes they they feel they they are right they they can do no wrong according to what they think so yeah it's just certain levels of acceptance um that you can achieve so i do encourage you sign up for therapy it'll be so helpful and so beneficial i know it helped me I always say never judge a therapist who don't have a therapist. Okay, y'all, I'm going to get out y'all way. I love y'all until next time. Until next time. And remember, who were you before the trauma? Bye-bye.